0: Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome to the show It's a big big week in the world out there Happy holidays y'all Got a good show today I I think I'm gonna be laser focused today You know what I mean I'm gonna just give you a warning Just heads up Heads up You don't like talking about boxing? You don't like talking about fighting? This might not be the episode for you. Because today, we're here to recap the uh, the end quote big fight night. The uh, Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley 2 leave no doubt fight card. We're here to talk about it. I'm going to touch on some other stuff too. Don't get worried. You know, let's do that. Let's start with some other stuff first, but before we get into any of that, I'd like to welcome back the Cyber Family. Thank you for joining me again. And for you newcomers, if it's your first time, welcome to the show. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! Oh. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm getting in and out today. <laughs> Holiday week. Happy holidays to y'all, I, mean, I hope y'all safe out there. You know? Hope you're uh, getting your holiday shopping taken care of expeditiously. Is that a word? I just felt like saying that. <laughs> but I also hope you guys aren't doing silly things like wasting your $60 on terrible pay-per-view. Don't worry. We'll get into it. And I'm going to take my time, too. We're going to get into every little nook and cranny of it. That's right. But the first thing that popped up on my radar this week was uh, Urban Meyer being fired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, you guys know, I'm an Ohio State fan, so Urban Meyer, he's, he's one of ours. One of ours. Right? A lot of respect for the guy. Going, going to Ohio State, dream job for him, winning a title. Going undefeated first in his first season, right? Taking over for Luke Fickle, who big respect to Luke Fickle, man. I remember in that season they went uh, they went six and six, I believe. When Jim Tressel got let go and Luke Fickle got promoted to interim head coach, and I'm be honest with you, I thought at the time like, yo, we might, might we should keep him. We should probably keep him, hire him full time to be the head coach. Like under those circumstances, I felt like he did a really good job, but you know. Then they said Urban Meyer was was on board. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Luke. You know. But here's the thing, man. When he got signed or when he agreed to go sign with the Jaguars, uh, it it never looked right. You know? Like, it never felt real. Like, uh, watching his press conferences, he never looked like the head coach of an NFL team. Now I can't even tell you what that means. Like I don't I don't know exactly like he just didn't seem to fit. It didn't seem like he was supposed to be there. He seemed like he was a guy who was out of his element. And uh and after you heard a lot of stories come out um while he was there, and I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway is ego, man. When you're winning like there's no denying that Urban Meyer is a great coach, right? Great college coach. But in 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 college you're dealing with with kids basically. They come in there and they might have a little bit of a big head, but they're also going to a massive university. They're also are given things like beyond their like clothes, food. They're treated like rock stars, right? And the idea that you could take all that away in a second, I could take it all the way from you. They're kind of more receptive to your your hard coaching. They still have that, I'm a kid, you're an adult, you're the coach. You're catching them kind of before they transition into manhood. And hopefully, by the time they leave, they've made that transition to manhood. Now they go into the NFL, and the NFL coaches are now dealing with men. And they have to act accordingly and treat them accordingly. Well, Urban Meyer kind of went to the NFL with that same mindset of, I'm, I'm dealing with kids. You guys are kids to me. Unfortunately, <laughs> in the NFL, we're grown-ass men. So, no, you're not going to come in here and, like, speak that way, behave that way, conduct yourself that way. Not to mention the biggest elephant in the room is you've accomplished nothing on this level. Nothing. You haven't won a single game at the start of training camp. You've won nothing. And I think the problem was he, because of his reputation, because of his history, because of what he's done, expected everyone to still have some reverence toward him as if he was the guy. Yo, do you know who I am? He's one of those. Do you know who I am? It's me. Respect me accordingly. But but the problem was, that's that's over there. You did that over there. You didn't do that here. There were guys on that team that went through stuff. That went through some battles, won some games, lost some games, been through some hardship with that franchise. You come in here, you've done nothing here. And you just think you're going to walk in and don't have to earn no respect? You're just going to have it? Nah. And I think the players didn't respond well to that. And his ego is so inflated because, listen, look at, his, look at his resume. Everywhere he's going. Like, why wouldn't he have an ego? I'm not mad at that. But he never took a step back to reevaluate and say, yo, hold up. Let me do this the right way. And that was the problem. So what's next? Well, he's still going to get paid. <laughs> Jacksonville still got to pay him. So he's going to go home, get paid, probably go back and do TV it's not a bad gig right go do your TV get your millions of dollars but listen for anyone out there any other coach reality check again I say it all the time humble thyself if you're going on to a new challenge don't walk in there guns blazing Listen, I get the idea you can't go in there and be soft because then you can't toughen up later. You got to go in there overly tough and then soften up over time. I get all that manager stuff, whatever. Go in there and be honest. Look, these are grown men. Right? You ain't got to be kicking people. <laughs> and fly home with the team. Don't stay. Don't stay behind. And definitely don't get caught. Come on, the girl's dancing on you. Come on, when you marry, man. <laughs> That's how big his ego was. He was doing all that and wasn't worried about getting caught. Unbelievable. But look, man, that's, that's an ego thing. Ego check. Check yourself, man. The next coach that wants to make that leap, you know, Irvin Meyer came in too hot. <laughs> so on basketball news, Anthony Davis uh, is going to be out with uh, an MCL, uh, I believe it's a strain, Right, like four weeks. Look, let's be honest about Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis uh, is a guy who has skills of a guard, but had a, an amazing growth spurt and got up to like seven foot, right? So he has all the skills of a guard and has nice touch, but he just happens to be incredibly tall. Anthony Davis, the Lakers, the, the, the plan was sign LeBron, get Anthony Davis. Those two will play together as LeBron transitions his way out of the NBA because he's getting to the end of the road. Anthony Davis will be ascending and he'll take over and he'll be the new leader of the franchise. Unfortunately, uh, Anthony Davis isn't a leader. Never has been, never will be. Okay? That's not who he is. He's a B or a C. Probably prefers, prefers to be a C. Wants to be a third option. Look at him in college, right? Goes to college, plays on Kentucky. Kentucky's loaded with talent. He doesn't have to be the A, B, or C. Now, you might say he was the best player. Sure. But that's because in his mind, he probably felt like, I don't have to be the best player. I can just go out here and play free and not have to worry about it because the pressure ain't all on my shoulders. And what you get is great results. He goes to the Pelicans. Now, listen, it is the Pelicans. They suck. But still, when did they have their best success? When did he have his best success? When they brought in Boogie Cousins. And he felt that he no longer had to be the A. It didn't all fall on his shoulders. That's when he played the best. That's when they had the best team success. Okay, goes to the Lakers. Now he knows, I don't have to be the, I'm not the best player. LeBron's here, he's the guy. I can be a B. This year, he tried to be a D. (laughs) He tried to go all the way in the background, say, yo, we got all these guys here, I don't have to carry none of the weight. And and I think what you're seeing is no 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 we need you we need you to carry the weight and he's like oh nah no nah, I'm cool I'm cool <laughs> he's never been that guy and I think we need to, I think we need to get away from that being a negative I'm not that guy I'm not the guy that wants to be in the front and leading everything that's not me that's not me right Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You got to know who you are. You got to have self-awareness. I don't want to be the guy. I don't need to, I don't need that. I'm cool. Like, because there's responsibilities that come with that. They're like, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to be doing all the interviews. I don't want to be leading the charge. I don't want to be determining what everybody else has to do. Like, nah, man, I'm going to go in there and do my thing and, you know, play my role. I'm cool with that. Yo, when I played rec basketball, I love being six, man. <laughs> I didn't need to start. Like, it's cool. Y'all start. I'll come in off the bench, ah, 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 get my hustle, and then go back on the bench. <laughs> like, not everybody's built to be, yo, I'm carrying the roster. I'm carrying the squad. It, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And I don't think Anthony Davis is built for that. He never has been. Maybe because he's never had to. Now, I don't know what he did in high school, but who cares? He's 17 years old in high school. Since he's been in college to the pros, he's never taken that thing to be like, yo, this is on me. I'm the guy. He begged to go to L.A. You can say, oh, yeah, he was in, he was with the Pelicans, and they suck, and he was going to go play with the Lakers. No, 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 no. He wanted to go play with LeBron. He wanted to go to a team to play with a guy who could carry the load, and he could kind of do his thing, get his credit, and not have to worry about all the other pressures. He doesn't want to be the face of the franchise. He keeps telling you over and over and over and over. I don't want to be the face of the franchise. So we need to, we need to switch up our expectations. Right? Switch up the expectations. Stop expecting him or stop even criticizing him for not being that guy. When he never asked to be. He never wanted to be. You want him to be because you think his skill level, he should be. But it's like, if that's not what he wants, then let's switch our expectations. Let him be him. Let's let him play and judge him based on his play, not based on our expectations of what he should be. Which segues me into, again, Jared Goff. Now, I thought I was being a good sibling when I texted Uh, my brother's group chat yesterday that Jared Goff guy's pretty good (laughs) in case you don't know he had a good game on Sunday 21-26 three touchdowns no picks won the game beat the Arizona Cardinals right now just a couple weeks ago Aaron Rodgers got praised for beating the Cardinals praise lauded oh my god Went up there, missing some players, and won. Aaron Rodgers, he's just that good. Jared Goff goes there, beats the Cardinals. Not a peep. Should we be concerned about the Cardinals? Not a peep. Now, of course, I'm being a little... I was being a little funny when I said, that like, Jared Goff's pretty good, huh? And my brother brought it to my attention. Oh, see, when you like somebody, they can have one good game and you'll highlight it. If you don't like the guy, then they have to keep doing it over and over and over and over before you'll give them some credit. That that set me back, and I'm like, what? And he brought up that Matthew Stafford has been having a good year, but I keep saying, You gotta show me more. Okay. So let me break it down. The reason why i'm championing golf and why i'm saying matthew stafford has to show me more is because jared goff has been to a super bowl i watched you in la with sean mcveigh get to a super bowl i watched you in that super bowl play just as terrible as tom brady the goat the difference was he made a throw to gronk you missed the throw to cook right you missed the throw That was the difference in the game, or else you would have been hoisting that trophy. We would be talking about Jared Goff as a Super Bowl winner. Correct? Okay. When you trade that guy for Matthew Stafford, who we watched for 12 years in Detroit, never win a playoff game. Now, it's Detroit. Sure, you get a little bit of a pass. And have an awful record against winning teams. My response to you is, okay, if I trade my guy who's been to a Super Bowl, who's won many playoff games for us, I trade him for that guy. That guy's never been here. That guy's never won a playoff game. That guy's never been to a Super Bowl. So why are we making that trade? Oh, he's more talented? Okay, show me. Show me something that Jared Goff hasn't done that you're doing. That's what I'm saying. My whole point was, you're trading for what? It's pretty damn even. Career QB rating, pretty even. Numbers that they've put up, pretty even. But the guy you had in-house got to a Super Bowl already. Got you there. You've won games with him. It's not like you were losing games because of Jared Goff. But you traded him. And the guy you brought in, his resume, he hasn't done anything. So before I said, oh, great trade, not to mention... Early in the season, he was being hailed as the MVP frontrunner. Sure. And Jared Goff has been getting trashed. Soon as he got traded, it was like, yeah, he's no good. They were already talking about the Lions' needs for the draft. They need a quarterback. What? Based on what? (laughs) Again, based on what? What has Jared Goff done to show you that he can't be your quarterback? What has he done that was so bad that makes everybody say, nah, get rid of him? To the point where the Lions, they're talking about the Lions just letting him go at the end of the year? And then who's going to pick him up? He's going to be a backup somewhere, I guess. What are you talking about? What has he done to all of a sudden go from, I'm in the Super Bowl, right? We lose a very close game, an ugly game to Tom Brady. And now all of a sudden, three years later, get him out the league. What happened? If you look at the season he had last year, doesn't deserve to get cut, didn't deserve to get traded, nothing. But I get it. You wanted to move ahead with a guy you felt was better, fine. Well, until Matthew Stafford shows me something that says, oh, he did this, Jared Goff couldn't, then I'm going to say it was a useless trade. It was bad because you gave up assets to get this guy. And if he doesn't accomplish more than the guy you had did. Then what was the point? So that's why I'm saying Stafford has to show me in the playoffs. Because I watched Jared Goff with Sean McVay get to a Super Bowl. Now if you trade him because you feel like no, we can't win with him. But we can win with this guy. And that guy doesn't win with you. Then it was a bad trade. Get it? Okay, let's move on. I can feel myself starting to get, get animated. So I think it's time we get right into the objective. Wow, well, ah, hold up. <laughs> let me first touch on. First of all, let me, this, is, this is a little side note. Scrolling through Instagram, CJ Stroud posted um, a picture. And in the picture, it was just him kind of, I guess, on the, the Heisman weekend. And he was sitting there. Uh, with his suit on, just looking straight ahead, kind of had like a, I would describe it as kind of like an intense, like look on his face, kind of like he was kind of drifting off in space, thinking about something, and you just catch that moment, and you can add whatever you want to it. But the important thing was the caption he wrote was "This is how villains are made." Hashtag humble beast. Hashtag fourth place. And when I tell you, I'm excited. I'm excited because I felt when I saw it, yo, that's so disrespectful. When I saw the Heisman rank the results, I said, yo, that's disrespectful. I said, this is bad for college. This is bad for college football. It's bad for all y'all. Head coach lost to Michigan. Ah, you can't do that when you're at Iowa State. Then he gets bashed. Mm. Yeah, he gets bashed. The defense gets called soft. Oof. That go that falls on the players, that falls on strength and conditioning coach, that falls on the position coaches. All right, that, that's no good. Right? Then your receivers don't don't you ain't get nominated for certain awards. Nah, that's disrespect. Then your quarterback the t- fourth the, no votes? Yeah, he got so little votes. <laughs> he got so few votes that like it made me laugh. <laughs> but what that said to me was that's a long chain of people feeling a little disrespected. Now, if my head coach, who's proven to be a good, a great head coach, I won't say great. You're right. I won't say great. That's a little too early to be a really good head coach, right? We brought in a new defensive coordinator who now wants to make his name, right? Who's being tasked with a mission. I got strength and conditioning coaches that, are, that have been said that their players were soft. I got players coming back that were called soft. And I got a quarterback who was a Heisman candidate feeling slighted. Focus level on a million. On a million. And you got Travion Henderson, an elite running back prospect, Coming back for his sophomore year. Now, last year, he was coming off of two years of no football. Remember, he didn't play his senior year of high school. So, he was coming off a a year layoff. And that's what the numbers he put up. What do you think he's going to do next year? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be scary for y'all next year. Moving on. Cowboys defense. Now, look. It's the Giants. So, I don't really... I don't know what to take from it. But I'll say this. The offense is is, is garbage. Uh, I'm close to having the conversation of, you know, Dak Prescott, I think, has hit the ceiling. Like, I think there's there's players that are, like, getting better, getting better. But you eventually get to a point where this is what you are. Dak Prescott has always benefited from the running game being there. From the running game being From the moment he came in. Because remember, go back. 2016, Ezekiel Elliott was drafted to back up Tony Romo. Because in 2014, DeMarco Murray had 1,800 rushing yards. The team went 12-4. and four. They were a horrible call away from getting to the NFC Championship game. And who knows? And the horrible call I'm talking about is the Dez catch, non-catch in Green Bay. That was a catch, bro. It was a catch. He caught it. Took two steps. Dove for the end zone. Hit the ground. The ball hits the ground. Bounce up. He catches it again. Now, not only was it a catch before he went to the ground. I'm not, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> That's old stuff. But what happened was they realized in that season, oh, wow. Tony Romo was an MVP candidate that season legit like i think should have won it played an amazing year but i think what the cowboys finally realized was wow if he has a running game and the defense kind of has to look for that and he could take advantage of them stacking the box amazing 2015 they tried to replicate it didn't work did okay You know, Darren McFadden did all right. He had 1,000 yards. And they're like, yo, our offensive line could block. If we get a running back in there, a dynamic running back, we could replicate that success that DeMarco Murray had. So that's why they drafted Ezekiel Elliott number four. Now, Tony Romo got hurt that year, forcing Dak to go in. Dak played well, but Ezekiel Elliott had an amazing year. He had, like, what, 1,600 yards that year as a rookie? Yeah, and Dak got the play off of that. So the formula was there. Yeah, once you pay a guy, when you go from paying him six hundred thousand a year to paying him forty million a year, yeah, you better do more than just live off the run. We need more from you, in expectations, right? That gets in everybody's head. The coaches head, and they think, oh, we got to throw it around the yard, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to throw the ball. Dak Prescott's not that guy. He wasn't that guy in college. That's why he fell to the fourth round. And he probably would have fallen further if the Cowboys didn't take him because he wasn't that guy. He's not a drop back 50 times, throw the ball all over the place, win games guy. He's not. So now you have him in a position where he's being criticized for the way he's playing. He's trying to like do something to show you, nah, I'm okay. And it's making it worse. The offense doesn't look right. He's reached his ceiling. He's reached his best. This is the best he's going to be. Not this little stretch right here because he's playing kind of bad. But you've seen him at his best. That's what he is. And you can win with that for sure. But you need to always remember your identity. Run first. We are run first team. You need to take more off of his plate. Right? And then offense can start clicking again. That's obvious to anybody watching. Nobody wants to say it. Because nobody wants to bash Prescott because, yo, Prescott's a good dude. Good player. Good player. Just if you're trying to make him be the, the lead guy, him be where, where you go, we follow, that's not that's not the way to go. Nope. Don't believe it. But their defense is playing outstanding. The defense is taking advantage of everybody. Good, bad, doesn't matter. If you're a bad quarterback, you're a bad team, that defense is going to eat you alive. And what that does is that breeds confidence. So now when you have confidence and you have like an arrogance about yourself in a sport like football where it's about dominating the guy across from you, man, if you get because physically everyone's there. Right. Everybody physically in the NFL is is right there. Nobody's there like, oh, this guy's uh, he physically not good enough. <laughs> they're all big, fast, strong, like they're all dogs. Right. So now the next level is, well, who's got the better coaching? Okay, well, if I'm physically on the same level as you, but my coaching is a little better, so I got a little better technique, boom, I got an advantage. So now let's say both of those are even. Okay, now it comes down to if one guy's really confident, got a little dog in him, the other guy's a little unsure and hesitant, there's your advantage. And that's what's starting to happen with the Cowboys. The Cowboys have the players. They've got the physical ability. Dan Quinn is an amazing defensive coordinator. He's proven that over his entire career. So you got the scheme, right? You got the technique, you got the player. Now you throw in that confidence. It's a bad mix, watch out. Now, obviously, I'm not going to pick them to win deep into the playoffs yet cuz that offense is struggling and the defense hasn't gone against um you know, like an elite level offense in a while. So, we'll see. We'll see. But now, let me, uh, let me step over. Now I got crumbs all on the floor. Let me step over. Oh, damn, man. I got chips everywhere. <laughs> let me step over <clears throat> to what I really wanted to get into today. And, and the important topic of today. And uh, buckle in, guys. This is going to take a while. This is so multi-layered. I, I need to get into this Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight. First of all. Um st- first of all, stop asking me to pay for pay-per-views. Stop asking me to pay for these pay-per-views. Stop it. Just stop. Stop. It's insanity. It's insanity. You're asking me to pay $60 to watch this. Alright, let me let me take let me take a step back because I'm I'm coming in hot with the hate. <laughs> Alright, none of this. None of this is hate. Okay? Let me start by saying nothing of what I'm about to say is hate. It is all confusion. I figured it out. I figured out my feelings towards Jake Paul. I don't hate Jake Paul. I'm confused by Jake Paul because I don't know what this is that he's doing. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to call it. Because I've decided I'm not going to call him a boxer. He's not a boxer because he's not participating in boxing. Now, yeah, he just had a fight. He's boxing guys. Yeah, sure. If I wear NFL uniforms and. Nah, that's stupid. <laughs> I was about to go down a road that's so dumb. <laughs> I'm glad I caught myself. Look, boxing is a sport, and you participate in the sport of boxing. If you want to be a pre- professional boxer, You have to do certain things. You have to fight professional boxers. That's what you do. You can't be a professional boxer and go box amateurs in exhibitions and say, I'm a pro boxer. This goes on my record. No, 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 no. You have to fight other professional boxers to have a professional record. Dude, you're not even ranked as a boxer. What is he ranked on the WBC, WBO, WBA, IBF, Ring Magazine? Where is he ranked? Oh, he's not. Because he hasn't even fought a boxer yet. So, oh, he's 5-0 as a boxer. He's 5-0 as a pro. He hasn't fought a boxer yet. So he's not a boxer. Nope. No. Mm Mm-mm. If I put on gloves, if I put on boxing gloves... And I say, hey, can you sanction this fight between me and Raider Hancho? Yeah, sure. We are both now professional boxers, and we go into the ring, and we fight. Duke it out. One of us wins, one of us loses. Can either one of us walk away and say, yo, I'm a pro. I'm a pro now. I'm a a real boxer. I guess technically you can, but whatever. And then the next week, I get uh, someone to sanction my wife. That's not going to happen. we we'll never have men fight women. <laughs> they would never sanction that. If I get my son <laughs> and they sanction him and I beat him up, right? Now I'm 2-0. and o. Are you still looking at me like I'm a boxer? Come on, man. That's what I'm saying. So if you're not going to participate in the sport the way the sport is set up to be participated in, then no. You can't call yourself a pro golfer and go have tournaments at Top Golf on a Saturday night with a bunch of drunk people and think that you're winning tournaments and you're getting closer to the PGA or think you're getting closer to the Masters. You're not going anywhere. You're not even participating in the sport, working your way through the system to even get to a championship fight. You have zero chance of getting to a title. Zero. You're not participating in the game, man. You're doing something outside of it. So, take a step back. My confusion is, he says he's a boxer. He says he takes this sport serious. He says he has a passion to this and he's dedicated his life to this. To this sport. No, 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 no. You've dedicated your life to this activity. The activity of training. For boxing, the activity of going into the ring and fighting someone and boxing someone, you haven't committed to the sport of boxing. The sport of boxing is a sport of fighting other boxers who also have that same level of commitment, testing your skills, your will, your heart, your competitive spirit in the sport of boxing. To ultimately become a world champion. To ultimately say you are the best boxer in your weight class. That's what boxers do. That's boxing. That's dedicating your life to the sport. Can you imagine? Look, Just look at the hate that Ryan Garcia gets. Because people feel like he ain't really committed to sport. He's not committed to it. He ain't really fighting nobody. He ain't trying to do nothing. He's just trying to be a YouTube guy, an Instagram celebrity. He's not really committed to the sport. Well, what's the difference? You understand what I'm saying? Am I making any sense? So my confusion is, what is the end game here? What is the goal? Right? Because whenever you start something, you have to have a goal. When I started this podcast, there is an end game. There is a goal. There is something I'm trying to reach. Right? You start a YouTube channel. You have a goal. Now, that goal can consistently keep changing once you start reaching that goal. You set a new goal. But there's always a goal. You never just start it and say, I'm just going to do this and "Ah," whatever. There's always a goal. There's always an idea. That idea is what gets you started. Jake Paul didn't start boxing because he just thought, hey, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. There was a goal. And maybe he did. Maybe he did just start one day. He was in the gym. He saw Logan. Maybe somebody was boxing. Maybe he put on gloves. Maybe he thought the training was cool. We've all been there, right? I'm sure you listening. you probably at some point thought, man, when you watch Floyd Mayweather hit the mitts, you probably pretended to be doing it like, yo, that looks so cool, man. <laughs> I want to be able to do that. Who hasn't watched a Rocky movie and felt like going out there and training for a fight? We all have. That's kind of like a part of growing up. As a, as a man, you got to grow up and go through your montage scene. <laughs> we all want that. So maybe that's how it started. But then you had your first amateur fight. And maybe you thought, wow, the crowd is massive. It was in Staples Center. Yo, this is insane. I want to I wanna do that. Again. I love that. But next time, I want to be better. I'm going to work harder because I need to be better. I can't be that. I got to be good at this. And then you did it, and then that thrill of winning, that thrill of victory, that thrill of the knockout, you were like, oh my God, I love this, and you fell in love with it. Well what's your goal? So now you have a new goal. Now you have to have a new incentive. Something that's gonna have to keep you going. Because that thrill of excitement, when you're in a fight, much like you were in the first Tyron Woodley fight, and it wasn't kind of going the way you wanted it to, how do you how you know, how do you come back? What makes you after that fight say, I want to keep going? There's a goal. Now, if you don't have to tell us fine. That's your prerogative. But it's confusing to people like me who are watching you. And you and and what you're saying doesn't align with what you're doing and it's like, "All right, so where are you going?" We want to follow the trajectory of your career, but we don't even know where you're going. So So that's where it starts for me. So the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight to the sequel leave no doubt happens coming into the fight i had predicted tyron willie to win by knockout now why did i think he was going to win by knockout i thought because the aggression level was going to be such that i felt like jake jake's not good let's just face it jake's not good let's start with that jake's not good he's not a good boxer now in in the gym he probably looks fantastic When you watch him punch and throw, he's got all of the technique down. He's got, he knows what to do. He knows how to do it. The problem is is when you got somebody pressing you in your face, it's hard to keep to that strict technique if you haven't been doing it for a very long time. Under those circumstances. Right? And in the first fight, he looked awful. Awful. Just awful. So I felt like, in this fight, it's going to be much of the same. And Tyron Woodley is coming in. He knows, man, I would have won last time if I had just thrown more punches. So since he knows that, he's going to come in this time and throw more punches. And he's going to win. And I think Jake Paul, if he ever gets pressed that way, is going to fold like a chair. I do. I do. Why? Because I don't think he loves this sport. I don't. I think he loves what comes from this sport. I think he sees a payday. And that's it. That's what He's in it to get the payday, and then he's gone. He said it in his own words. I'm looking at a $250 million payday if I just keep winning. I would be stupid to fumble that bag. I would do anything I could to get that bag. And that's why I trained so hard. That's what he said. Not me. That's not guessing. That's what he said. Where's that bag coming from? Hmm. Maybe the McGregor fight? Or... A Canelo fight. So the end game is not beating either one of them. The end game is getting to that fight. Getting that money. Win or lose, I'm done after that. Because that I'm filthy rich. I never have to do anything again. And I'm riding off in the sunset. Hopefully I win those so then I could retire as undefeated and beating two guys who would have like be legitimate on your resume, one more so than the other. We'll get into that in a little bit. But that's the end game. Okay. If that's the end game, we figured it out. The end game is to get a massive fight, just one win or lose to get that money to ride off in the sunset. Okay. <clears throat> then media, it's our responsibility to no longer cover this guy as if he is part of the sport. He's not. He's operating on the outside. I have a great, great analogy for it. I'll get to it in a minute. But let's get back to the fight. So the fight starts, and it's much of the same. It's exactly the same as the first one. They are just grabbing each other. They're hugging. Neither guy really wants to commit to anything. Tyron Woodley's throwing four or five more punches per round. The fight is awful. It's awful awful it's awful had i paid for it because <laughs> you know i went to a friend's house and he ordered it and then i kind of just i watched it with him uh i told him i would chip in some money but i didn't you know whatever but we, he paid for it that's how i got to see it at my friend's house you know what i'm saying <laughs> but he was mad that he paid 60 dollars for this because number one the fight card was terrible Right? The first fight, two legit boxers. Cool. But for that event, like, the fans reacted to it like it was boring because it was real boxing. And real boxing, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, so it, it the crowd reaction, the way the announcers were talking about it, the lack of energy and interest in it, it clearly didn't fit in with the theme of the night, which was, I guess, spectacle? I don't know. Then you had Darren Williams versus Frank Gore, which was Awful garbage, it was terrible outside of the fact of laughing at these two and saying, Yo, this is so terrible, he looks awful. It was not entertaining. I don't want to watch two dudes bumbling around, I don't, especially when you pay for it. Somebody paid for this. This is what you're showing me after I paid for it. Ah, no, no, thanks. Then Amanda Serrano, listen, that woman throws a million punches. She's entertaining. She throws a lot of punches. She stands in there and throws punches. I'm cool. I don't know much about women's boxing. I don't follow it that closely. But hey, that woman throws a lot of punches. I'll watch her fight any day. Then you have the main event. Dude, terrible. The fight was terrible. So you get to the sixth round. And my, and my brother said it perfect. Tyron Woodley's blowing it again. It was the perfect perfect text at the perfect time, the perfect summation of that fight. Tyron Woodley was blowing it again. Jake Paul still looks terrible. Looks as terrible as he ever has. And you still are not being aggressive enough. You still are not throwing enough. Your coach in the corner is telling you, you gotta throw. You told me the dog was back. Let him out. You're blowing it again. Then he goes out there in the sixth round, and Jake Paul loads up on a shot, a very rudimentary, fake-to-the-body, come-up-top type of shot. A shot that a real boxer, someone who's boxed for five, six, seven fights, someone maybe like Tommy Fury, doesn't get caught with that. He doesn't react to the body punch the way Tyron does, where he tries to slap everything down. He overreacts gearing up for the body shot, comes up top, knocked out cold. Now, I've watched this knockout at least a 100 times. I, watching the fight live, I could not believe what I had just saw. I, he, his entire body shut down instantly. Like, it was as, (laughs) it was as if, it was as if, his hard drive just crashed. His he, Just a malfunction. Just whoop. Somebody cut the power. He was like an inflatable uh, Christmas decoration outside. <laughs> and somebody cut the power and whoop just immediately dropped. It was unbelievable. Listen. Incredible knockout. I can't imagine as a man... Throwing a punch and hitting another guy and seeing him react that way, the feeling, you must feel like a god. So I'm not mad at Jake Paul. Again, I don't hate Jake Paul, I'm confused by him. So he does that. Tyron Willie kind of staggers back up, gets to his feet, is visibly emotionally distressed. Right? Visibly. Like, looks like he is on the verge of tears. As he has to stand by Jake Paul and congratulate him for the win. Now, my heart broke for a moment. Then, I started realizing, hey, you talked a lot of trash. You wanted this. This is what you've been prepping for. And you got knocked out. Conversation over. You know what it says to me? Tyron Woodley, it's over, man. It's over. He's he's the living example of... My mind is telling me I still got it. My body keeps trying to tell me it's over. His body told him in that moment, bro, it's over. We're done. In his mind, he knew exactly what to do. He knew exactly what to do going into the fight. He had the game plan. The coaches gave him the game plan. He had the blueprint. He knew what to do, and he physically couldn't do it. He physically can't. It's over. It's over. You're done as a fighter. It's over. Because Jake Paul is the worst opponent you can face. The worst. And you can't beat him. It's over. It's over. I've told the story before of when I was playing Pop Warner. And I wasn't really sure if I felt like playing football no more. I don't know. I tried to. T- I thought I was a beast. Oh no, yeah, I'm a beast. I hit hard, and I tried to. Hit- I hit this guy as hard as I couldn't. He didn't move. It was over. This ain't your sport no more. You don't. You not. You You're not into this. It was over. It was a reality check. If this isn't for you, right? You can't ignore those reality checks, man. You got it. It's over. Tyron Willie, it's over. Let it go. It's over. We don't want to see it no more. It's over. So after the fight, Jake Paul in the ring starts calling people out. Calls out Jorge Masvidal. Calls out Nate Diaz. And I realize, huh. He don't never call out boxers. And the only boxer that he'll call out is Canelo. Huh interesting to me why not imagine imagine if after Canelo beat Caleb Plant and they said what's next he called out Jorge Masvidal or Nick Diaz or Conor McGregor we would be sitting there like what what are you talking about could you imagine how you would feel if Charlo wins his next fight and calls out like Tyron Woodley you'd be like what are you talking about You would look at him like he's crazy. What if Terrence Crawford, after he beat Sean Porter, said that he wants to fight uh, Amaro... I'm not even going to try it. (laughs) What if he said he wanted to fight like a UFC guy? You would be like, what are you talking about? Hey, dummy, you box. What boxer do you want to fight next? They keep asking Tommy Fury, and not Tommy Fury. They keep asking Jake Paul, who do you want next? And it's always a UFC guy. That's odd to me. Don't call yourself a boxer if you're not interested in fighting boxers. Call yourself a fighter. I'm a fighter. I'm a gimmick fighter. I will fight guys in this sport that they have never participated in. I'll do that. That's what he does. That's what he is. And I think the media needs to stop covering it as if it's anything other than that. Hey, ESPN, you're no longer allowed to cover Jake Paul until he fights a boxer. Stop sending your boxing writers and reporters to go cover Jake Paul. He's not participating in the sport. Hey, Bleacher Report, stop sending your guys. He's not participating. These, these events are not, they're not legitimate. They're not. It's borderline bullying at this point. Now, I know that sounds weird. That's that's probably the softest thing I've ever said. (laughs) Yo, these guys are professional fighters. You're right. You're correct. But if I've been boxing for four years, yes, I'm not elite. Yes, I'm not as great as you can be, but I'm better than you, right? Right? So Jake Paul's been boxing and been concentrating, and he has professional training, and he's working with professional boxing trainers. He's working with professional boxers, professional nutritionists, professional strength and conditioning coaches. He's conducting and living a real-life professional boxer's lifestyle outside of the ring. And then when he gets in the ring, he's going against a guy who's never boxed before. Hmm. Who's going to win that fight? Jake Paul has been the favorite in every fight he's had so far. Why? Because we just think he's so good? No, because he has every single advantage. Tyron Woodley didn't fight at 190 in the UFC. He fought at 175. He has to put on weight to fight Jake Paul. Advantage Jake Paul, naturally bigger guy. Tyron Woodley's 39 years old. Jake Paul's 24. Advantage, younger guy. Jake Paul's been boxing consistently for the last four or five years. Exclusively. Advantage, Jake Paul. Like, every single advantage you can have in a fight, he's got them. What are we talking about here? Why are we legitimizing this? I told you I had an analogy. You know what it's like? You know what it's like? It's like the n one mixtape circuit. Remember that? Remember n one mixtapes? Remember those guys will come down to the park and do do do, do, do all these crazy moves and blah-blah-blah-blah. And you watch it, and be like, oh, these guys are crazy good. Guess what they're not? They're not NBA players. They're not as good as the NBA. Would you like to know why? Because half of their moves are travels. They're carrying the ball. Half of their moves aren't even legal. That's why you would say, well, how come they can't play in the NBA? Because they're not good enough. The stuff they're doing is not NBA stuff. They're not playing by the rules of the NBA. Therefore, they can make up stuff. They can carry the ball. They can travel. They can do all this stuff because it's a different game. And you're entertained by it. And you watch it. But you don't compare it to the pros. You know it's different. Jake Paul is the and one mixtape of boxing. You know you know he's not beating a boxer, right? You know he's trash as an actual boxer, right? You don't watch him and think that he's actually going to beat somebody, right? He's the and one mixtape. It could be fun. Yeah. Oh, and one, they would come into town, and they would go against some high school kids or some neighborhood ballers, and they would come in, and they would ball out, make them look stupid, and then leave. But you understood that the competition they were playing against wasn't wasn't very high, right? In comparison, it wasn't high. That's what Jake Paul does. He comes in. He's good at what he does, he comes in, he fights way lesser competition, dominates him, or just beats him in the case of the first Tyron Woodley fight, and then he walks out thinking he did something. And we are so, so afraid of missing out and missing the boat that the media wants to jump in on it because it's generating a lot of revenue. And so they all go head in. They go head first, dive into the deep end. We got to cover Jake Paul because we don't want to be the media outlet that misses out on the, on the payday. And he draws attention. I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back. The Jake Paul-Nate Robinson fight didn't generate a bunch of money. Didn't generate a bunch of interest. You know what happened? Mike Tyson was fighting Roy Jones Jr. And we just wanted to see what Tyson looked like. Kent, is Tyson, does he really have it? Is he really? Is he still Mike Tyson? And we ordered the fight to watch Mike Tyson. Jake Paul happened to be fighting... Nate Robinson, which we all thought was stupid. Who is Jake Paul, first of all, is what most people thought. He knocked him out. It was a meme. Perfect situation. Perfect, A perfect storm of events. You had Snoop Dogg commentating, which made the commentary hilarious. You had him knocking out this guy who's terrible in Nate Robinson. And then you had the main event, which is why we were all there in the first place. Oh, wow. He goes to fight again. He says I'm going to fight a real fighter now. Guess what? We don't really know Ben Askren like that. And the people who do know Ben Askren said Ben Askren is the worst striker in UFC history. He's terrible. He cannot throw hands at all. He's terrible at throwing hands in a sport where you don't have to throw hands. <laughs> And he was terrible. But what it did was, for the casual fan, we saw, okay, this is a fighter. Nate Robinson was a basketball player. This guy is a fighter. He comes in, he knocks him out in the first round. Right, Coming off hip surgery, retired wrestler, terrible at striking. You could clearly see he didn't train very hard for the fight. Was in it for the money. Told you flat out, I suck, but I think I'm still better than he is. He was wrong, but whatever. That didn't gain much revenue. There was interest. Wasn't crazy interest. You didn't get a crazy pay-per-view until you fought Tyron Woodley. Why? Because of Tyron Woodley. Because of the reputation that he built. Because of what he brought to the fight. Because of the way he was talking. Because of the beef he had. Because the expectation of what he could do. Jake Paul needs a spark. He needs a dance partner to sell some pay-per-views. That's the reason why Tommy Fury got booted out. Because Tommy Fury wasn't doing his part to raise enough interest. That's it. If Jake Paul was good enough to get $40 million a fight and get a million pay-per-view buys regardless of who he fought, he would be fighting just anybody's. He wouldn't be going after these guys. The guy told you after knocking out Tyron Woodley, he accomplished all that he wanted to do. He needs a break now. What? That's This is the pinnacle for you? Get out of here, man. <laughs> Confusion. I'm confused by this guy. Jake Paul is literally training like he's in the NBA, right? Here's another analogy. He's training like he's NBA, right? So he's with NBA trainers, NBA coaches, getting NBA nutritionists, working that way, and then going every weekend and playing at the rec center. He's playing at the local YMCA, dominating kids, teenagers, old men, and we're looking at it like, yeah, I'm somebody. It's like, bro, I was just, I came from work. (laughs) This kid's like, yo, I'm I'm in freshman in high school. Why are you dunking all over me? And we're walking away like, yo, you got you to respect it. You got to respect him. I don't have to respect the damn thing. You know what I respect? I respect the effort that he puts in. Sure. But when you say you got to put some respect on Jake Paul, what what do you mean? What do you mean? Is he a good boxer? No, 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 no. Is he a good boxer? No, 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 no. See? See? Here's here's what we need to stop. We need to stop right now. Okay? We need to have standards. Okay? Can't keep adjusting standards and say, well, four, because that's all it comes down to. If Jake Paul never, if, if I took a guy off the street who's never seen Jake Paul fight before, if he never saw Jake Paul fight before, and you put the last two Jake Paul fights on TV and say, is that guy a good boxer? They would say, no, this guy's awful. He's not a good boxer. Don't say, well, for a YouTuber or for a novice. No, 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 no. This guy is currently listed as a professional boxer. He has a professional record. He is currently active. He is a pro boxer. That's his designation. Is he good at it? No. No more qualifications. No more, well, he's from you. He's a YouTube guy at Disney. No, 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 no. He fought five professional fights now. Is he a good boxer? No. No. And let me tell you something. We off the deep end now. Dana White is 100% right to not let any of his guys go over to boxing to fight Jake Paul. Why? Not because he's afraid they will lose. No, don't be stupid. This is business. Dana White will send any one of those guys over there to box, even if they lose, if it's going to make him the money. You know what? It's not going to make him the money. It won't. It's not worth it. And number two, the money it will generate is on the back of Dana White. Dana White built up the UFC. The only reason why Jorge Masvidal is even a name in Jake Paul's mouth is because of what he was doing in the UFC. The promotion he was getting from Dana White. Dana White put in the work to build these guys up. And now Jake Paul wants to come in and call him out and think that he's going to eat off of that plate? You're going to eat off the plate of Dana White and all the work he's put in to make these guys a household name? And then you're going to call them out into your sport and leech off of them? No. Get out of here. Dana White is 100% right to say no. Leave me alone. That's all he's trying to do. If he fights Conor McGregor, are we excited because Jake Paul? No, we're excited because Conor McGregor is a name that we know. Why do we know that name? Because of the work that Dana White put in to build him up to prop him up, to put him on these events. And then Conor McGregor did the work, and now Jake Paul, a nobody three years ago, is coming into the picture and saying, hey, I'm going to fight that guy, and that guy's fan base is going to come in and generate a bunch of money. There's going to be a bunch of interest, and that's off the back of them, not Jake Paul. Jake Paul has not made a star. He hasn't made a star. He hasn't made a star. He hasn't made himself a star. He ate off the back of his brother who was fighting KSI in the Staples Center. He was on the undercard. In his second fight against Nate Robinson, he didn't make that event. He was on the undercard of Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. They made that event. And in the first event that he had to host, numbers were kind of low. They put it out there as we sold this amount. Oh, yeah, we did. They never released no official numbers. That's funny. If you sold that many, where's the official numbers at? They don't exist because the event didn't do that well. And that's the exact reason why he immediately ran over to Showtime. Because the numbers on Triller didn't do what he wanted them to do. There wasn't as much interest as he tried to hype up. And the interest that was there was on the back of what Ben Askren was doing in the promotion of the fight. So he finesses his way into a deal with Showtime. and Showtime is a respected network. And the first opponent that they get is Tyron Woodley. And Tyron Woodley is the reason why people wanted to see that fight. Because they thought Jake Paul could actually lose because of who Tyron was. Who built his name in where? The UFC run by Dana White. Ta-da! His entire existence is riding the coattails of somebody else. And Dana White is saying you're not going to ride my coattails to being filthy rich. No! No! And Jorge Masvidal released a video where he said, I fight for two reasons. For the money or to fight the best in the world. And you're neither. Your name that's in your star power doesn't draw enough money to get me to go to boxing. And you're not the best in the world. So no, if you really want to fight me, come find a, sign a one fight contract with the UFC and we could fight. I love it. These UFC guys are not calling out Jake Paul. Jake Paul is calling them out. You can't call me out and say I want to fight you, but I'm only going to fight you with these rules. I didn't say I wanted to fight you. You wanted to fight me. So why the hell would I go fight you under your rules? That's not what I do. I'm not a boxer. If I'm a basketball player and somebody says I'm better, you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. Um, Tyreek Hill is saying that he's faster than, than Usain Bolt, right? He says, so Bolt says, fine, you call me out so many, let's race. And Tyreek Hill says, all right, we'll race, but you got to wear football pads. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I wear football pads in my sport and I'm faster than you, so you put on a helmet and pads and we'll race. And Bolt's like, no, that's not what I do, I'm a sprinter. You said you could beat me, you said you were faster than me. So why do I have to race you under your conditions? No, 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 no. Come If you want to race me, line up, and we'll race down the street. Because you wanted to challenge me to a race. I run. You play football. If you want to say you're faster than me as a receiver, sure, whatever. But if you're just gonna you just going to say you're faster than me, nah. And that's what Jake Paul's doing. Jake Paul's calling out guys who are mixed martial artists and telling them, I want to fight you, but only with uh, boxing gloves on. And they're like, N- What? No, and they shouldn't. They should just stop. We ain't fighting you. Unless you, if you want to fight me, then come see me. Either see me out in public, and if it's on site, cool, we could get it in. Or come over to the UFC where I fight and do what I fight me. But he doesn't want to fight them. He just knows that he has the advantage. Because if you don't box, you're going to make mistakes that boxers wouldn't make. If you don't box, you're not gonna beat a guy who knows how to box, because you're eventually gonna you you're gonna lose this. You don't have no discipline. You don't have you have none of the knowledge of what to how to move. You have none of that because you don't box. And what's happening is Jake Paul would be able to beat guys, beat fighters who have a name, because if you looked up, okay, if you looked up and you said, oh wow. So-and-so beat Conor McGregor. Oh, man. Conor McGregor's a name. So regardless of how it happened, regardless of what the circumstances was, regardless of anything, you get credit for that win because we know Conor McGregor and we know him to be a really good fighter. And if you beat him, wow. But do we think Jake Paul's beating anybody in the UFC? No. That's why he's not doing it. He's not dumb. Again, the confusion... How do you call someone out to a fight and then try to dictate all of the terms of the fight? What? You said you wanted to fight me. Listen, see, in boxing, we criticize people for that. Right? In boxing, Floyd Mayweather got criticized when he was willing to fight or calling people out and then saying, but you got to drop weight and come down here. It was like, yo, you called him out. We criticize Canelo. Right? When he called people out, but then it's like, nah, you got to come fight at this weight. When it, when initially the Triple G fight was coming up and he was trying to say fight at 155. It's like, no, you called me out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's what Jake Paul does, and he's able to get away with it because the media just wants to be on board. They don't want to miss it. Confusion. And they're right. They know right's right to say, like, no, you're not going to take... All of my hard work in promoting these fighters and building them up as a household name and then taking them to your sport where you have every advantage, where you would be favored to win against every one of them because you have all of the advantages. And then you're going to win and now your star power can grow and you can live and leech off of the backs of these guys and their names that we built for them. No, you don't get that. And that's what he's trying to do with Canelo. He knows he's not beating Canelo. His team knows he's not beating Canelo. His family knows that he's not beating. Let me tell you something. There's no way in hell within the next 10 years he would beat Canelo. I don't care what you say. 10 years from now he wouldn't beat Canelo. He's not beating Canelo. And in fact, Canelo will beat the dog snot out of Jake Paul. Canelo can go into that fight at 170 pounds and beat the dog snot out of Jake Paul. Canelo will beat the living hell out of Jake Paul. Canelo... Yo, as a fan, as a fan, I want to see it so bad. I do, I have so, like, I, I sometimes when I'm saying my prayers at night, it, it crosses my mind to throw in, please let Canelo just say, sure, let's do it, and fight him. The problem is, you immediately realize Jake Paul doesn't care about winning that fight. The amount of money Jake Paul would get alone for that fight, the amount of money he would get would be so much That even in a loss, he would do what every single loser in the world does. He would say, hey, uh, you know, I got in there with the the pound for pound best in the world. You know, I gave it my all. I came up short. But, yo, a lot of guys wouldn't go in there and do it. Huh? I'll step in the ring right now. I'll, I'll put these headphones down. I'll step away from this computer so fast to step in the ring with Canelo for $30 million. (laughs) you give me 30 million dollars i will go there right now and fight canelo are you kidding me so everybody would so don't do don't do that loser speech no not everybody would do it yes they would that's number one number two if he loses he would say yo Look what I did. Look what. I, look, me, little old Jake, coming from where I'm coming from. I was on Disney and YouTube and I became a boxer. I started this and I got all the way up to the top. No, you didn't. You didn't work your way up to the top. You got a handout. You rode the coattails of everybody else to get to the next bag. That's all that's happening. You know what? I take it back. There's not confusion, there is hate. <laughs> Yo, screw this guy leeching off everybody, man. Nah, get out of here. He got little brother syndrome. He rode the coattails of his older brother. He followed in his footsteps. He started doing stupid stuff to get noticed. Because stupid stuff gets noticed by stupid people. And a bunch of stupid people are on YouTube. Hey, you go on YouTube for long enough, you turn into a stupid person too. And then you have to break the spell. So that's what happens. You gain a little attention, you get a massive fan base, you start getting some money. You transition into boxing, you're looking for the guy who could generate the most amount of money. If it was about you, if it was about Jake Paul trying to be the best boxer he could be, he would go fight a boxer. He don't even have to be a good one. Fight anybody. We can't name a single boxer that Tommy Fury has fought. Go fight them. If all he's doing is fighting tomato cans, oh Tommy Fury not even fight. He's never fought anybody. Okay, then go fight those guys. If if you are a star and you could generate so much money and so much pay-per-view buys and everybody wants to see you and you're the A-side, then go fight one of those tomato cans that exist in every weight division. Go fight him on pay-per-view and see what your numbers do. Don't be fooled, y'all. We see right through We see right through the facade. We see right through it. He's a fraud. He's a fraud. And Dana White needs to say, nope. And you know what? All these other fighters need to take their money-hungry ass and leave and say, we're not fighting Jake Paul anymore. I saw Le'Veon Bell posted, stop fighting guys who don't know how to box. Hey, uh, newsflash, Le'Veon. You ain't never boxed. <laughs> you gonna take your dumb ass in the ring against Jake Paul and get knocked out. Because Jake Paul has been fighting and training as a professional with professionals for the last couple of years. You been trying to get back into the NFL. Yeah, you might be tough. Yeah, you might can fight. Yeah, you'll probably beat Jake Paul in a street fight. But, bruh, there's rules. There's a reason why boxers box and Street Fighter Street Fight. Go look up on YouTube Street Fighter versus Professional Boxer. Find me one where the Street Fighter wins or looks like he has a chance to win. They don't. Stop. Let's all just... If you're in the fight... Here's what I'm saying. Here's my, here's my, here's my response. If you're in the fight community... If you're a fighter, if you do mixed martial arts, nobody nobody fight Jake Paul. This could all end tomorrow. We don't need Jake Paul to lose to end Jake Paul. Just stop. Just don't fight him. When Jake Paul says, I don't know what's next, I'm going to go vacation. You know why he's going to go vacation? Because there's nobody ready to fight him. There's nobody that wants to fight him that's outside of boxing. There's probably a lot of boxers that want to fight Jake Paul. A lot of young guys that want to fight Jake Paul. You know who I want Jake Paul to fight, and it can't happen because weight classes are different. But uh, Berlanga, Berlanga fights at 168. Is knocking people out. Says he's a beast. He will murder, murder Jake Paul. I would like to see that. Call him out. Ask him to gain weight. Hey, the cruiserweight division, everyone is saying once Canelo says he wants to get the cruiserweight belt... Everyone and their mom is saying cruiserweight is a weak division. Bro, if Jake Paul said I want to be cruiserweight champ and started fighting cruiserweights and started trying to work his way up the ranks, he could probably be a world champion. He could probably win a belt at cruiserweight if he was willing to go through the lumps. Now, he ain't going to get there undefeated. But if he started that path, yo, I would 100% support him. 100% jump right on board and say, I'm all in for this. Let's go, Jakey. (laughs) Work your way up. I would 100% be there for that. 1000%. You would have all of my support, Jake Paul. I would watch every one of your fights, and I would support you each, each step of the way. Because what you would be trying to do is stepping into the game a little late. Not crazy late, but a little late. And you'd be working your way up the ranks and trying to win a belt. Who can't root for that? Hey, dumbass, make it a doc. Make it a TV series. I don't know. Probably generate revenue that way. We'd all watch. I would. You trying to fight your way up the ranks? You got season after season after season. I saw a whole... Sell that to Netflix. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you in it for the money, then cool. He's in it for the money. Hey, guys. He said it. He's in it for the money. Hey, reporters. He's in it for the money. Hey. He shouldn't be gifted a fight with Canelo. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be allowed to fight the top fighter in the world and the top boxer in the world. And all he had to do was get some interest. You know, you're, you're, his whole business, his whole model of be the bad guy that's riding the coattails of Mayweather. Mayweather became uh, Floyd Money. Mayweather, um, TBE, started trash talking, doing all this, the antics. Everybody hated him. People were buying pay-per-views to see him lose. Ah, we hate this guy in every fight. He generated so much interest because they hated him or they loved him. And that's what Jake Paul said. I'm going to take that model. And I'm going to do it, too. The only difference is, instead of fighting real fighters who could potentially beat me, I'm going to keep this interest and keep being this this polarizing figure while taking zero risk. You know who tried to follow that blueprint? Adrian Broner. You know what the difference between Adrian Broner and Jake Paul is? Adrian Broner actually fought boxers. So he lost a couple times. And once you lose and you talk like that, ah, we no longer care. Now you're just a loudmouth. So Jake Paul gets to have that. So again, riding the coattails of Mayweather. That's your whole image. That's your whole, your whole facade is to be this love him or hate him guy. So you do things constantly to make people love or hate you. But either way, you're going to watch. You even say the same things Mayweather said. So you rode those coattails. You rode the coattails of your brother to even get in the game. Rode those coattails. You rode the coattails of uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones to get that uh, that first fight. Got it. Rode those coattails. Then you jumped on UFC's coattails. I'm just going to start fighting UFC fighters. Why? Because whenever they come to boxing, it don't look pretty for them. The learning curve is too great. I've already went around the bend. You're just starting. I've, I've lapped you a couple times already. And it's trash, man. It's trash. Yo, I spent enough time talking about Jake Paul. <laughs> I apologize y'all I apologize truly truly and honestly I apologize for taking this much time to talk about this but it, it for me there's so many layers to it and uh, and I think we need to call a spade a spade and I know it comes across as hate I promise you it's not hate I swear to you I would support Jake Paul if he tried to move up the cruiserweight ranks if he decided, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go all in on this, I want to win a belt, and figure it out, who do I have to fight to get to the belt, and was fighting these fighters and winning, I would 100% go with it. The problem is, is, you know, you know, the minute he fights a real fighter, who even if they're on the same level, even if it's a boxer who's only five, six, seven fights into his pro career, you know there's going to be a difference between the two. I don't care how hard you train. When you get in that ring, if you never tested, then you can't test your training. Because the fact is, he's looked terrible the last two fights. And those were against the best fighter he's fought, he's looked terrible against. And if not for that right hand that Woodley should have never got caught with, if not for that punch, that goes to the cards again. And there's a chance he loses. And then he has two fights against the best fighter he's faced, who, if you look at his resume, shouldn't have been a challenge, was a massive challenge, and you potentially could have been one-on-one one setting up a third fight. I'm done. I'm done. Let me get out of here before I break some. <laughs> Let's just call a spade a spade, man. Let's get off the attention-seeking. Let's get off of that. We want to be first. We want to be part of it. We don't want to miss out on it. Yo, until this guy starts fighting a boxer, let's, stop. let's put him in the gossip section. This is all gossip. Stop calling out UFC fighters. You're not fighting in the UFC. You're not fighting mixed martial arts. You're boxing. Go fight a boxer. Prove to yourself and to the world that you can beat boxers. That's all we want. Stop claiming you're the best thing that's ever happened to boxing when you ain't boxing. You're doing nothing for boxing. Hey, how come Jake Paul can sell 1.5 million pay-per-view buys and then the very next event gets no pay-per-view buys? What eyes is he bringing into boxing? Nobody's watching boxing because of Jake Paul. They're watching Jake Paul if they want to see Jake Paul, but they're not going out the next week and watching the next fight. Because they didn't come for boxing. They came to watch Jake Paul. He's not bringing anybody new into the sport. And if he cared about bringing new eyes to the sport, then he would go fight boxers. And let people see this is what boxing is. Hey, you want to help boxing? Grab a young cruiserweight who's young in his career, who needs a big break, who can get some attention, who you think is pretty good. He's a pretty good fighter. Yo, if this guy was ever put on a big stage, put him on your card. Fight him then. If you're this big draw power and, oh, you're all about equal pay and fighter pay and all this other stuff, and you're bringing in all this money and you're helping boxing and you're you're the best thing that's ever happened to boxing in the last century, Fight a guy who would be a big name if he got that exposure. Fight him then. Put him on your pay-per-view. Hey, why is your pay-per-view always filled with garbage? Put quality fighters on there then. And pay them. You want to know why? Because he can't afford them. Because his budget ain't his... You know what? I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. All I'm going to say, yo, better luck next time, I guess. You know, maybe, maybe next time uh, Jake Paul will do better uh, and look better. Maybe because you look terrible. Uh, Maybe his opponent will do better. Uh, Maybe Tommy Fury doesn't get hurt next time. Maybe better luck next time. Hey, for anybody that wants to see Jake Paul lose, maybe next time. Who knows? I'm not in that camp of wants to see him lose. I want to see him challenged. I want to see him fighting someone. On an equal level i want to see him fight someone who knows what he knows in terms of boxing i want to see him fight somebody who's just a boxer that's all if he fights tommy fury and he wins yeah tommy fury is not like the benchmark it's not like conversation over you beat tommy fury so i can never question him again he has to be favored in every fight now because he's legit i don't think that i think that's silly But I don't think it's silly to say. I would like to see you in that situation. That's all. That's my time, y'all. I appreciate you joining me. Listen, happy holidays out there, man. Stay safe. No more wasted money on (laughs) pay-per-views. Predictions. Predictions. Uh, Listen, man, it's, it's a week this week. Okay, on Christmas Day, we actually have the Colts facing the Cardinals. I'm taking the Cardinals. <laughs> I don't know why I sung it. Yo, Lions facing the Falcons. Yo, I, I told you I was going to leave the Lions alone, right? Nah, I'm doubling up. Lions beat the Falcons. Uh, what else we got? Vikings, Rams. Ooh, close, close. Uh, I'm going to go with the Vikings to squeak that one out eek it out that's right you got cowboys washington come on man i got cowboys that's it Ah, oh, wait hold up hold up nah that's it <laughs> those are my predictions man listen this has been the show i hope you've had a good time i hope you enjoyed it listen sorry for the uh the, the long deep dive into the jake paul situation I, i'm just not a fan of frauds that's all but look man I will see y'all next week as we prep for the new year. Listen, new things coming. We're going to make some announcements next week, I think, maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm diving into this draft stuff now. I'm getting into some player evaluation. I'll have something good for you. I'm going to have uh, my QB rankings for next week as far as draft prospects. I'm going to do something fun with, uh, with the NFL too. So, uh, listen, enjoy your holidays. Be safe. Uh, be, could be good to your family. All right. <laughs> no fighting over the mashed potatoes. i'll see y'all next week man i'll see y'all next week god bless